Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to All Stats, aren't we? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the end of the season run-in of the podcast. Here we go. And I'm joined by the Brighton XG underperformance of the podcast, Tom Woodhead. Looks so good, but offers so little. And finally, the prodigal son of the podcast. Can you believe it? It's Josh Hobbs. Josh, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. It's good to be back on. A little bit of um, schedule changes for me and... I'm a bit more available, so hopefully I can do a few more before the end of the season. Mm, yeah, it would be great to have you on. Tom Woodhead, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I've sorted out my technical issues. All the cables are plugged in. We're ready to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking of technical issues, I have a, a plumber outside my room working on a pump for our heating system. So if there is any loud noises, I do apologise for that, but we'll see how it goes. We are here today to talk about the Brighton game. This week I was lucky enough to speak to Liam Tharm of Albion Analytics and this is what he had to say about Brighton. So Liam, hi, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, nice to be on. Mm, Yeah, good to have you back on. Um, We're here, as we've said, to talk about Brighton and it's been an incredibly narrative-heavy season for Brighton. Uh, Obviously the underlying numbers have been really, really good um, but the actual output has not and this has been a debate that's raged on and on and on this this season, particularly when Brighton, I think we're in a a little bit more danger of maybe uh, getting relegated. But I'm interested in what you make of this debate. Do you think it even matters if you stay up? Will you really care that much about this debate? I think less about the debate and obviously the fact that we're missing chances and dropping points in in more quote-unquote winnable games. There's understandably annoying fans. Um, but, you know, I've, I've seen it and I understand it very much so from both the, the data angle and then also from the coaching angle that obviously players can have chances that they prefer and just good XG numbers are good from a data perspective, but it's also about the type of service, you know, as, as you guys very much know, the sort of Patrick Bamford sort of this season and last campaign, um, how things can vary. So, uh, yeah, I think it will matter less, you know, if we if we do stay up that there's, you know, the, an overriding support on, on Twitter for Brighton to sign a striker. Um, I'm, I'm perhaps less maybe we're one foot in that camp. I think some people are very concrete on that, that, you know, we need to sign a marquee forward who's going to get us X amount of goals, which, you know, one, who that player is remains to be seen. Um, they'll probably cost us quite a bit of money that the club probably hasn't got at this point in time. So, yeah, I think we've we've been at our best this season, like we were in the reverse fixture when we've kept clean sheets when we defended well. Perhaps when we've had less of the ball as well, and it's allowed us to actually, you know, be a bit more direct on the counter. We've still played some nice expansive football, but we've not actually had to deal with opponents sitting back too much. That's when we've really struggled is is when teams get behind the ball. There's been, a, I guess, a general consensus among particularly coaching people on Twitter that um, Graham Potter is a little bit responsible for these underlying numbers, or at least not responding to them by doing things differently. Uh, what's your take on that? Do you agree with that? Or do you think it's it's largely he's been quite unlucky building a team that are creating good chances, they're just not putting them away? Sure. I, I guess the responsibility is shared between him and the players. You know, It's, it's not down to me to attribute who, who gets what exactly, but he obviously picks the, the players every week and he's picking players who are underachieving according to what the data says. Of course, that will not be the sole thing that he uses to, to select his team. We'll make no bones about that. Um, and it's also 
you know, a, a more in-depth point to say that the players that he picks, the likes of Neil Mapai, the likes of Danny Welbeck, who might not have their best outputs in, in relation to their XG, but offer them, or, or offer Potter, sorry, a lot off the ball. Neil Mapai is a very high-ranking presser, exceptionally good with his link play. Um, he's drawn a lot of fouls to this season as well. So, look, Potter and the, the methods that he are using are very, very good for the most part. I think for me, and I'm surprised there's not been more of a consensus transition Brighton fans, is that it, it's our game management where he probably deserves his most criticism and it's it's really hard to know where he changes that. Um, our, our, you know, our, our settled defensive shape's been better um, sort of in, in recent months. Obviously, he's benefited now from bringing in Rob Sanchez and that's helped from a defensive set-piece perspective and a shot-stopping perspective. Um, but we've also managed to sort of lower the, the quality of the chances that we're um, actually allowing opponents to have. So, yeah, the the settled shapes maybe become a bit more passive without the ball. We're maybe pressing a bit less. I know that's obviously dropped to, dropped across the whole Premier League and across Europe this season. Um, and, and a lot of people seem to be fairly critical of his subs at times, which may be fair. But I think that's a very hindsight driven thing after the game. Um, it's quite hard to you know have too much of an impact in changing the game in terms of subs. But twenty points dropped from winning positions is a hell of a lot for a side that are on thirty four. Um, and I think that'll put us quite high up the table, probably pushing towards Europe. So, you know, sort of next season, if we worry less about you know, just scoring goals and the XG debate and look at what can we do when we have actually scored in games, uh, then, you know, we could find ourselves a lot further up the table. Uh, you've mentioned there that, that a lot of the fans want to bring in a striker. I think it's obviously the, the the common sense response to, to what's happened. But do you, do you think that would make much of a difference? Do you think that, that a different striker could actually, you know, turn things around? I think they could. And that's always the, um, the, the age-old debate is that really Brighton's recruitment seems to be in the for the most part, that we've had some marquee, what we call quote-unquote marquee signings in the Prem and spent what for us is a lot of money on some players that haven't necessarily had the output. And then we spent less money on likes of Pascal Gross, Joel Beltman this season in particular, who have cost us, you know, fractions of those fees of what we pay for bigger players. And they've given us a hell of a lot more in terms of output. So I think it's a really, really tough um tough problem to have and obviously teams will one be needing money and and thus you know players might might go for for more the club is obviously going to be limited in their funds um and the, you know at least from a media perspective there doesn't seem to be a huge drive for them saying that they're particularly you know desperate for a striker not that i expect them to come out and be like you know we're on our knees here to, to sign someone in the summer um but i think there probably will be some overhaul come the summer they've you know they announced um yesterday obviously at the time of recording this that um they, they've got rid of a few under 23s that they're releasing so as it is with sort of the um, the academy setup and how well you know those sorts of players are coming through, that I wouldn't be surprised to maybe try and see an in-house replacement as well. Obviously, we've seen Aaron Connolly come through in recent seasons. Um, he's someone who's maybe stagnated a little bit, but I think he's still in the top five for goals scored by teenagers um, in, in the Premier League or at least under twenty ones um, in the past few seasons. So, um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see them try and do something in-house as well as maybe looking towards sort of the, the wider market. You are currently, I think, seven points clear of Fulham, who are in the relegation zone. Um, obviously, the biggest challenge for for Brighton this for the rest of the season. Not much of it left now, but is is to stay in the Premier League, and that's looking pretty comfortable. It's unlikely they'll overturn a seven point difference. I don't think in that time. So, w- with that in mind, what do you think is the the biggest challenge for for Brighton in the in the final few games of the season? I think hitting, you know, we hit 41 points last season, which is obviously a really respectable total. That was a club record. So to hit 42 would, would be great. And from our final six, that would have needed two wins, two draws and two defeats, which, you know, we have a fairly tough run and arguably have just played our easiest game of that when we went to Sheffield United. Um, but, it, you know, that's, that's not impossible. Um, obviously, we won, we won this reverse fixture last season. We've got a good record against West Ham and we played quite well against some of the bigger sides this season. So, you know, it sort of depends what Brighton turns up, to be honest with you. Um, but I think 42 points would, would be unbelievable. Of course, my first thought is let's actually get that, um, that you know, security mathematically confirmed because it's it's a big gap to overturn. But, you know, we, we were, I think, seven points clear in the championship with sort of three games to play and ended up um, losing that title, you know, back in 16-17. So um, we, we won't be resting on our laurels just yet. I can tell you that for sure. So with all that in mind, where do you think you will finish this season? I think the position is perhaps you know less um, less less important. There's a few teams around there: Burnley, Newcastle, Southampton. So um, you know, obviously, no one wants to finish directly outside the relegation zone. So if we can kick on and sort of finish 16th, 15th, that might be a bit nicer. But you know, I'd, I'd, especially from this point, I'd be really, really happy with sort of 42 points. I think 40 would be good. It'd be nice to hit that that magic number again. Um, but as long as it's more than sort of 18th, then um, yeah, definitely we'll be, we'll be happy with that. All things considered. 
Let's talk about the last game between these two sides. What did you make of that fixture, uh, a one-nil win to Brighton back at Elland Road? Um, I think I, you know, spent the last half an hour very, very nervous. Um, it was a very big win for us at that point in time. I think that was only our second one of the season, um, or no, maybe yeah, uh, might, might be our third, third one in fact of the season. So you know, we were really scrapping for our lives very much then, um, definitely more so than than what we are now. Um, and it was sort of the first time that Potter really went for such a low possession approach in a game where we maybe could have expected to have more of the ball compared to obviously playing some of the um, big six sides, you know, as, as um, you know, they've come on obviously a lot of scrutiny in sort of recent weeks. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what he does compared to obviously the reverse fixture performance. He's got Ben White back now, which obviously isn't someone that I need to introduce to, to Leeds fans at all. Um, and seeing how we tend to approach on the ball, whether we look to go direct with the ball and look to sort of counter at speed and try and exploit the holes, which will, will probably be there. I know that Leeds have, you know, maybe tightened up a bit more in recent weeks. Um, so whether it flows the exact same way as sort of the, the first fixture, I, I guess maybe the pitch might even have a role to play in that. I know that when we played you, it was before you, your pitch relayed and that um, it wasn't perhaps the most conducive service to try and play football on at all. So that would be interesting as well. Um, but yeah, it, it really could vary. We, you know, we've had games where we've had lo- um, very little of the ball and attacked at speed. We've had games like against Sheffield United where we've had, you know, really, really dominated the ball and looked to build up really slowly. I think we do seem to struggle a bit more there just with the number of bodies that teams can get behind the ball. Do you think we'll see anything different tactically from Potter this time around? Possibly, yeah. He, he's looked to sort of switch the formation around a bit sort of in recent weeks. This is more, um, I suppose, driven by the absence of Sonny March and Tag Lamptey, our, our wing-backs who were sort of our, our big threat for the most part of the season. Um, he went for sort of the old-school WM formation. We're going with sort of a back three, um, you know, and a, and a four in midfield, um, and then sort of three sort of really pushing on the back line. And that had worked really, really well. He'd sort of gone with Nilma Pai, um, and Danny Welbeck out wide in sort of wide areas. And obviously it worked to treat against Newcastle with Welbeck cutting into school, worked again at Old Trafford with Mapai crossing for Welbeck. So um, he, he might well go for that. But obviously I, I know that Leeds can often leave holes in central areas as well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him sort of switch systems throughout the game, um, try and adjust and um, they'd be quite responsive to that, yeah. Would you say that Brian's tactics have changed much this season? I don't think any more so than perhaps last season. I think Potter's known for his sort of um, tactical fluidity is something that I think fans were very vocal under Houston that maybe we were perhaps a bit too predictable and quite regimented um, I think maybe some fans feel it's gone the other way under Potter that maybe at times we're, we're crying out for more of a consistent 11 and um, a consistent shape um, so yeah I, it, it's really tricky to say to be honest but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Potter try a few different things um, yeah I, I really wouldn't be surprised yeah, the last time, so the last game that we played, you you guys basically killed us with that three four three or that WM formation, uh, and you've talked about the possibility that, that there may be a shift away from that. But uh, in that game, you you really sort of stymied our build up. We found it really hard to play out from the back, uh, and and you were able to break at speed when you needed to as well. You're also able to press quite well in wide areas, I think, with that formation because you have these nice sort of ready-made pressing units in, in wide areas and Leeds obviously try and build up through the wide areas. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in whether or not you think that Potter might just be tempted to to try and use that same method again. Yeah, I don't see why it wouldn't be. Um, they put in a really, really big pressing shift at Chelsea. And to be honest with you, the players are absolutely knackered um, you know, at Sheffield United, which I think probably played a role in it. Obviously, Tuesday, Saturday is... It is more of a you know quick turnover than what Saturday Saturday is, which to fans might not seem like a lot, but I'm sure it is. I think they it was the, the second most pressures the team had put um, in a Premier League game this season, according to FB Ref. So it was a, a, a real big shift, and again, it was similar um, to the Leeds game that yeah really tried to stifle them than playing out and um, you know trying to press and pin to press the goalie when he had the ball. So if he's got the the manpower to do it and the players got the legs you know it, it wouldn't surprise me um, but then at, at times as well we've seen the games this season where we've we flipped between you know pressing he- pressing intensely and then dropping off and sitting back um you know obviously it's a big thing for us as well that we've not been as good this season as we were last season perhaps in coming back in games um, we've sort of struggled and, and conceding the first goal has been quite a problem for us so i think Potter will be very geared around ensuring we stay relatively tight early on and, and not conceding um and yeah, it'll, I guess it also depends what he sort of starts with personnel-wise because he'll have Ben White back. He's got Adam Webster back who has looked a bit shaky, but the sort of rushness you'd expect from a player who, you know, is coming back from an injury that had him out since February. Um, and of course, Dan Byrne will be back in the fold as well. So um, it, whether he goes to sort of a White in a in a midfield unit um, or he drops someone out, um, 
it, it will be, yeah, I'll be very looking forward to seeing what, what the team is come 3pm. You've mentioned Ben White a couple of times already. Um, Leeds fans obviously always interested to hear about Ben White. So what's your take on his season? He's been really quite consistent. Um, he's perhaps he's quite a, a, um, a jack of all trades. I wouldn't quite go as far as saying Martian Lang because he's really really quality. But the versatility that he offers, you can see why Potter was so keen to keep him. That he's used him both in in roles in the back line as well as in sort of midfield. Um, he's really. I don't think he maybe does it as much as he could do, but he's really quite competent at stepping out with the ball. Um, you know, maybe isn't the the best of our central defenders when it comes to dominating in the air. Uh, but we we really sort of miss him when we haven't got him. I think that is you know a, a good hallmark of a quality player that we saw against Sheffield United. That you, know, you go, we watching the game and, and quite a few of the fans are saying this game is crying out for someone like Ben White to to add that touch of quality to be able to step in. Um, he can sort of do can sort of do everything there. So yeah, very very much missed him and we look forward to seeing him back. Um, and yeah, to, to be fair, not that the red card he got at Chelsea was a bad red. I think it was probably one of the one of the best red cards we could have got to to save us a game. So how are you looking injury-wise at the moment? Looking forward to the game at the weekend? Yeah, we're quite good actually um, in terms of players coming back. We've actually had Jose Esquiero return from a ridiculously long injury. He hasn't played properly since 2018-19. He had a very, very good 17-18 season. Um, really sort of good inverted winger forward that plays on the left. He's right-footed in. Um, he's perhaps just a bit like a Colombian Iron Robin who just cuts inside and shoots, but it's sort of worth a treat for us in, in 17-18 under Hewton. So... Um, Potter chucked him on with sort of 10 minutes to go to Sheffield United and, and he showed some threat there. So, um, yeah, it's good to see him back in the fold. And for the most part, I think we're sort of fairly fresh. Um, so, yeah, Potter should have really a sort of a, a full arsenal at his disposal. With that in mind, how will you line up on Saturday then? Well, that's, that's a great question. Um, obviously, he'll, he'll up with Rob, Rob Sanchez in goal. Um, I'd be surprised to see him deviate too much from sort of the background that he's gone for recently. He's opted for sort of um, Joel Velman, Lewis Dunk, Adam Webster. Um, I expect to see him maybe put White in sort of the, the midfield role like he did in the reverse fixture. Um, so he might, yeah, be, be be quite interested if he does up for the for the WM. I, I'd, I'd quite like to see that that sort of um, set up again. So with that in mind, it'd probably be a White Basuma sort of pivot um, in midfield. And I, I reckon if it's a if it's a press heavy game, um, he'd probably opt for Lalana um, and, and Gross in front of that, and then looking at presumably Mapai Trossard. Um, and well back in front of that as well would be my guess. But that'll probably be wrong, so don't quote me on that. One of the questions I always ask in these interviews is which of your players need to perform well if you're to be Leeds? Again, the, with how the system has been recently, um, it, it, it's been very much more of a team set up than it seems to have, doesn't seem to be trying to bring out the qualities of too many individuals too much. It seems very uh, built upon trying to obviously execute certain passing patterns and create opportunities in certain manners. But I think we really saw at Sheffield United that um, either he just didn't have a good game or he got, you know, thwarted quite well. But Leo Trossard didn't seem his, his particular self. Um, and someone like him being a big creative spark, a good good attacking threat, um, him playing well always seems to, you know, have a big impact, as you'd expect. He, he's one of our, I think he's our top player in terms of um, passes into the box, um, dribbles into the penalty areas up there as well. So in terms of actually penetrating the back line and creating shooting opportunities for him to do well will be really important. Um, obviously, Neil Mapai will presumably be on the end of um, a few chances, so him, you know, finding his shooting boots would also be would also be really big. Um, and and Yakamoto in in sort of recent weeks has, has featured quite a bit. And I know obviously didn't didn't mention him necessarily in, in the starting eleven, but he could quite easily feature. Um, and he's been really good going forward against Newcastle in particular. He made some really good runs in behind. Um, Brighton used the wide forwards well in that game, and he sort of. As they split the forwards went wide, he made those late runs in the central areas. So if he has a, a big game in terms of, you know, just not only just doing his, his defensive work, but going forward, he could be on the score sheet too. On the other side of the team sheets, which Leeds players worry you in particular? Um, I'm not sure he's going to be fit, but obviously Rafinha has been a revelation from what I've seen um, recently. So I'm obviously, fingers crossed, I'm, I'm hoping he's not fit. Um, Patrick Bamford has been nothing short of quality this season. He's, he's done my FPL team absolute wonders. So he's carried me through <laughs> most weeks. Um, and, and yeah, really pleased to see him sort of um, firing in as well. Always, always liked him as a as a forward. And you know, be be surprised if he isn't at least in contention for um, the Euro squad this summer. Um, I think Ilan Melier as well. It's sort of the battle of Europe's probably two best on the twenty three goalkeepers. I expect sort of come um, come Saturday with um, him and Rob Sanchez. So he uh, again with our you know liking to sort of play balls into the area to look to cross. He I know is a keeper who's competent at dealing with stuff in the air. Um, and again, is, is good at building up from the back. Um, so we'll definitely provide us with an opportunity you'd expect to, to press as well. So I never ask for 
predictions, but I am interested in how you think the game is going to unfold. What's your take on the way that the ebb and flow of the game will go on Saturday? Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting to see. Uh, I know both sides are probably quite knackered um, from what's been obviously a, a long season, but expecting to see a fair amount of pressing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's sort of a low quality game again in terms of shots and shot quality. Well, we've had quite a few games recently where we've had a lot of pop shots in the area and, and shots from distance and that sort of thing wouldn't surprise me again. Um, and I think it's going to be, I'd, I'd be surprised given what the numbers are saying and how we've defended set pieces at times this season and, and as Leeds have, if it doesn't come down to sort of a, a set piece error or sort of a one goal to decide it, I think we're, we're one of the Premier League's top sides, so games won by sort of one goal. Um, yeah, so that, that I know Leeds have been like basketball matches at times this season, but I think um, you know we, we've done well in recent weeks to keep the goals conceded at a very, very premium. Um, and I'd be surprised to see Potter deviate too much from an effort to at least one sort of keep that clean sheet and then look to, to win it by a single goal or so. Well, Liam, it's always a pleasure to chat to you. What's the best way for our listeners to catch what you're doing about Brighton? Sure thing. Come and jump over uh, on Twitter. We're at Albion Analytics. You'll find us over there with, with all of our tweets and, and bits and pieces. So yeah, come, come say hi. Well, thanks so much for coming on today. No worries at all. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So that was Liam Tharm of Albion Analytics. We'll kick off with you, Tom Woodhead. What sort of thoughts were percolating in your head when you were listening to what Liam had to say? I think me and Josh had similar sort of thoughts um, regarding the formation, which seems to be very unpredictable with with Graham Potter. But um, I was I was thinking specifically um, if it does end up being the four for the three four three. Sorry, um, it did. There did seem to be a period where we were facing that formation nearly every week. Um, but it's actually we haven't faced it since we played Wolves on the nineteenth of February. I had I had a quick look, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we've learned anything. Um, about how to play against that formation. It did seem that we have had some, I think, second half against Leicester. I think Leicester went back to that and um, we seem to cope with it a little bit better than we did the first meeting with Leicester. So, it'll, I mean, Wolves is obviously a very difficult team to play against anyway because they, they just sit so deep. But I, I, I'd just be interesting to see, particularly given how we have been a little bit more direct recently, um, whether that might help us a little bit against that formation, because uh, we've been clearing balls up the flanks and things like that, and that you know th- those are the the weak areas in a four three three, I suppose. So uh, a three four three. Um, so yeah, I, I suppose that was that was my main thought. Yeah, I'm just looking through the um, the fixture list now for Brighton and seeing what they've played. So they've played the three four three in the last looks like six or so fixtures. Before that, they played the four four two for a little bit. Um, for three fixtures and then yeah there's a little bit of three five two in there as well um so i'm guessing you know any of those could appear but it does look as though the three four three will probably um show its show itself again um i agree with you i think it's it's an interesting formation because i think we can struggle against the three four three but we can also depending on how a team plays we can also play um quite well against it as well so the um i think the was it was it everton who maybe played a 3-4-3 against us in the first game that we played against them at goodison park yeah in the first but not the second one yeah and i think we were quite comfortable against that because they didn't really press very stringently and um they sat a little bit deeper um but then there have been teams like brighton who have come and they've 
pressed quite high. They've been quite um, good at, uh, at closing us down in wide areas, and that's really caused us problems as well. Um, and yeah, interesting to hear you mention the, the the Leicester game where they switched to it in the second half, uh, because I think we dealt with that by actually we dropped Dallas back into a left back position, pushed Alioski forward, and uh, I think we we eventually went with sort of Harrison pushing pushing forward as a as a second striker. So that was quite interesting as well. Um, Josh, have you got any thoughts on on the formation stuff? Yeah, I, I was kind of wondering whether Potter would try and do the same thing against us as last time or whether he might mix it up because I think, as as you guys talked about on the uh, Man United review, uh, Solskjaer kind of fell into that trap of basically trying to play it exactly the same way as he did against us last time. I think Potter is smarter than that. Um I feel like he he might play a bit differently this time because he might recognise that we're different, whereas I don't feel that Solskjaer recognised that we were different. And they have played a a few times recently with Welbeck and Mope uh, up front together, and I just wonder whether he might sort of throw that curveball because that forces us to change. Even though they shut us down last time um, with their sort of, uh, was it like the, pentagon sort of shape midfield that they had where they were able to just completely sort of squeeze all our midfield options and we could we just couldn't progress but I think the fact that we have Phillips in which I think makes us a lot better in the build-ups it was Strauch uh, that played there in that game I know we have varying views uh, on this uh, podcast about whether he whether that made a difference or not but I felt that he um wasn't able to play forward quickly and yes that was partly uh because of what Brighton were doing but I just think Phillips is a bit more intelligent in finding ways to do that and can do it quicker um also we had the midfield two of Click and Rodrigo in that first game and it was when Roberts came on that we looked like we could actually get a bit of possession in midfield because he found ways to drop into space I think he's very likely to start. So having Phillips and Roberts in might make us a bit uh, better at playing through that this time. Also, I think Urente makes a difference because I think he's the best in our um, of our centre-back options at playing the ball on the ground into the midfield. Uh, I think his disguise passing uh, could could make some opportunities to break through that. I know he doesn't maybe do that as often as we maybe imagine that he plays that pass. But I think if he's able to, he can get us turning their defence and getting at them in positions that we just were completely unable to create in the first game. So uh, I wonder if it might force Potter to do something a bit different and playing two strikers and changing our formation might, might be the way in which he tries to do that. Properly looking at it, it's crazy how different our team was in that first Brighton game to the team that's likely to play on Saturday, isn't it? Because we had Cooper and Ailing at centre back, we had Dallas at right back, um, Rafinha played, and he, you know, we don't know about that, but I think it's probably unlikely that he's going to play as well. And then, as you said, the midfield was Strout, Click, and Rodrigo. So it's almost a completely different team um, that's likely to play, isn't it? So it will be interesting uh, to see number one if Potter thinks that changes things fundamentally um, and to uh you know how how that affects us in terms of you know if 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 Brighton do play exactly the same way are we better set up against that with the team we've got now than the team we had then um I, I don't know it's a question it's going to be interesting from the point of view of the the conversations we've had in the last few weeks in terms of how it is that Leeds are going to look in terms of their general approach to to this game we've we've seen Leeds play fairly pragmatically in the last few games and we've but we've seen Leeds playing against some of the better sides in the division so um I guess the question is whether or not Bielsa would be more comfortable sort of coming back at this in a in a way where we are a little bit more expansive where we are able to possess the ball more than we have in those other games and uh, I guess I'm uh, from that point of view it, we, we're talking about how Leeds are playing differently at the moment but surely this is a game where Leeds will want to come out and play the way they were playing earlier on in the season, right? Are we not agreed on that? Yeah, I hope so, yeah. Yeah, I I think so too. But I think uh, there are some elements where we maybe we... Like, it's impossible for it not to be different. Like, because, like, 
Uh, obviously, we could start Click, but I think almost certainly we we won't. So I, I think I think we're trying to play him as little as possible now. I think he's clearly carrying some kind of injury, and he just seems to come on late in games. Um, and I think there's no reason to take Dallas out anyway. But I, I also think for defensive reasons, um, I would want Dallas in if if Ben White plays in midfield again. And he's going to be carrying the ball forwards a lot. I think it's it's good to have Dallas in there to um to step into that space where White wants to carry it through. Yeah, the first game was a real nightmare for that, wasn't mm. it? Because the, not, you had White who could do it in midfield, but you also had I can never remember which one's Webster and which one's Dunk. But yeah, Webster, he's he's the left centre back. Yes, so he was carrying it up as well. So like. It, it was almost like double the kind of threat that we normally face of people running through the middle. So I think having Dallas in midfield in that game could have potentially made quite a big difference, actually, as opposed to Click and Rodrigo, who were just bombing ahead of the ball all the time. I think the big change is going to come in terms of how they decide to build up, because this was very much at a period when we were still trying to build up at the back um, and, and do the, the sort of build up play that we do with the, with the pivot, sort of helping out, moving it down the wide areas. And basically, Brighton sat gross and white just behind Strauk and so they would basically whoever was closer to him when he was on the ball would just immediately close him down um I, we've also seen games where we haven't really played with a pivot in those sort of situations where we've said fine let's just seed that that area and and let's try and go quicker in the wide areas and 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 just sort of have players dropping in one side or the other um, from the midfield to help in the build-up rather than a designated pivot so I'm interested to see how we go about doing this because if we do have Dallas and Calvin Phillips playing as, as, as a sort of two-man midfield, you, we could very much see a situation where rather than just having the pivot sitting the whole time, we could see just both of them sort of being a little bit flatter and then one or other of them dropping in to help out in the build-up. And I think that will probably impact things a little bit as well because I, th- I just think our, our build-up wasn't good enough. Um, largely, I, I think, because we had Alioski in Dallas in the wide areas and a lot of the, the build-up was expected to go through those two and I just don't think they're they're quite as good as um, having obviously having Ailing there as well. So um, I do think that will probably change things. And um, the other thing, you, you mentioned um, Tyler Roberts, Josh. I guess the question is if, if Brighton do come out in that 3-4-3, Leeds will be playing a, a sort of 4-4-2, 4-4-1-1 as we've seen. Um, it would be interesting to see how how Roberts fits in there because I think as I mentioned before when we played against Leicester the way that we got around um, causing Leicester Leicester causing us problems in that formation was by dropping Dallas in at left back pushing Alioski into the into the left winger position and then having Harrison as the as the forward pressure as well now I think we'll probably go to Roberts to do that Um, and I think we've seen that as well I think maybe it was against Wolves where we played the four four one one with Robert sort of sitting in front of the other two and then pushing out when when they had possession. Um, so I think there's there's con- plenty of interesting sort of tactical things that will be going on there. Um, I I just have a gut feeling that that Brighton will play three four three because it worked for them last time and I think as you've said Potter is savvy enough to know that it's not going to be the same. But um, I think it'll be it'll be fun to see how we we sort of approach it uh, in that sense. It's not the kind of obvious thing like the Man United game, is it? Where the, the, you know the the way that they played in the first game Manchester United was like really a hundred percent perfect to play against us and I don't think the way that Brighton played in the last game was quite you know it, it wasn't quite of that magnitude you know where where they'd say uh, and the way that we've changed I don't think affects it in quite the, to, to quite the same degree does that make sense like uh, I I don't you know like the the way that we've changed since the Manchester United game has basically been in order to nullify what happened against Manchester United, that kind of thing. Whereas I think the Brighton game, you know, the, the way that we've changed, it could go either way, I think. I'm, I'm not sure that it, it necessarily makes us better against that or worse. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'd, I don't think I was necessarily suggesting that it that it does um, because I think it was... Our, our big problems were really in possession in in um, against Brighton, whereas obviously the, the changes that came against after the Man United game were because we were so wide open out of possession. So I'd say Brighton, they hurt us badly uh, in the goal. Like they opened us up way too easily, but they didn't re- do much else other than that goal when they had the ball. But they just completely closed down all the central spaces for us. Um, and yeah, I just 
I just wonder what maybe more our personnel difference this time around could help us rather than um, sort of a stylistic change. I think we'll all agree with that. And, you know, the very fact that we play Click and Rodrigo in midfield means that this game is going to be an, an entirely different um, proposition, I think. It, it couldn't be anything other than an entirely different proposition. Uh, Josh, did you have any thoughts that you wanted to bring to the table about um, about what, what Liam was saying in particular about Brighton? Uh, just one thing that stood out to me, which is him saying that, uh, that they dropped 20 points from winning positions, which uh, I've watched them loads this season. Um, but that still sort of shocked me because that seemed like just an enormous amount of points to drop. Um, Especially for a team that doesn't concede that many goals. Yeah, exactly. It's, but I, I think it's it's because they take the lead and they're, just, they, they're unable to kick on from going 1-0 up, even if they attack a lot more. They just, for whatever, they're, they're so profligate in, in front of goal that um, there's there's always a chance to get back into it. Although we didn't really make one when when we played them last time, I think um, if they do take the lead, I think that that's it's by no means game over. I don't think it ever is uh, with us because I think leads are always sort of capable of coming up with something. But um, yeah, I, I hope that we can um, see a little bit more from our individuals uh, in attacking areas this time because. Uh, I think as we all sort of felt after the Man United game, we we didn't ever really look like creating that much. Um, so yeah, it'd be, be interesting, but we we shouldn't think that um, that we've lost it if if we go a goal or two down because that they they are, do have a bit of a soft underbelly. One other thing that I uh, noticed looking at the remaining fixtures is that Brighton will want to win this game, although it looks like they're pretty much safe. Um, and in all likelihood they are safe, even if they don't win another game. If Fulham do put a little run together, then you know Brighton's remaining fixtures after us, they play Wolves, then West Ham, then Man City, then Arsenal. So it's not an easy run-in by any means. Whereas Fulham have got games against Burnley, Southampton and Newcastle in their remaining five, as well as this weekend they're playing Chelsea, who are presumably resting a lot of players because they've got the second leg against Real Madrid next midweek. So, you know, it, it's it's... It's not something that's likely to happen, but there is that lingering possibility. And, and certainly there will be that lingering possibility in the players' minds that they're not completely safe yet and that Fulham, if, if they put the right sort of results together, could could overtake them. It would be incredibly funny. <laughs> What's the, the, the point difference is, what, seven points from Brighton to I think Fulham? So, yeah. And I think Fulham feel like they've played a lot more games than other teams. I don't know whether or not that's evened itself out. Is it? Is it? Yeah, they're, they're both on 33 games okay. played and seven points different. So it's five. Brighton have a better goal difference as well. Right. So. so they've got to make up basically eight points in mm. five games, which is, yeah. I, I guess if, if, if Brighton were to win, then that would put them 10 points clear. You'd think that that would... That would be impossible for yeah, Fulham to exactly, overcome, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. So they'll definitely be they'll definitely be up for it. They'll definitely also have that attitude that well, we beat them last time, so we can do it again. Um, let's talk through the 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 structure then. Um, so obviously the, the 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 big question I think for me structurally is who is going to be playing as the second striker? Are we going to have it in in this sort of situation where we have the wide player on the left? pushing forward and um and and so maybe moving Harrison up there or do we think that we're going to have um Roberts as a as the sort of second striker sitting behind Bamford and 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 sort of pushing out helping out in the build up in 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 sort of deeper central spaces but then pushing out wide when when Brighton have the ball how how are we reading that structural approach I think that Harrison does that job really well when he's asked to do it but it almost feels like a bit insulting to Roberts to not have him do it considering he considers himself a striker and I think he would want to be playing a bit higher up the pitch anyway if he if he were to choose it and I don't know. I, th- I think Bielsa does, to a certain extent, take that sort of thing into account where players want to play. So I would suspect that Roberts will be the one who pushes up, but um, I could be wrong about that. Yeah. How do you feel about this one, Josh? Yeah, I think th- there have been times where I've expected Roberts to do that role, but then it's still been Harrison. So I- I'm not sure. I-, I-, I think Tom's right that he seems like the the obvious one, and he- that he wants to play higher up and. Um, I think we've 
we've seen plenty of glimpses that sort of say he's a striker. Um, but I think there's a difference maybe in the out of possession stuff where Harrison is just, I think he's probably the best in our team uh, in, in that sort of, um, in that pressing role. Um, not that I, I don't think Roberts is bad at it. I think he's got good intensity, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if it was, if Roberts was more of a pure eight and uh, and Harrison was that presser. I guess the, the the interesting thing for me here is like, where is it that you're wanting that pressure to come from? Do you want that pressure to come from a wider area, which is what would happen if you had Harrison playing there, I think, or whether or not you want that pressure to come from a more central area outwards? And I, yeah, I guess if, assuming that it is Webster who is going to be playing on the right of that back three, that will be where the threat is coming from. So it may be the case that, that um, we we sort of use Harrison to sort of just man mark Webster, and then you have Bamford between the other two centre backs. That's I sort think of... Webster will be on the left. He he's tended to be on the left, and Ben White on the right. Although if White plays in midfield, right, that could change it. But I guess it depends if Dan Burns playing as well, right? Because Dan Burns usually playing on the left of a back three when he's played in their back. Three. They've also used Joel Veltman. Mm. He can play as the right wing back, or he can play as as one of the centre backs. As, as well so that's the thing with them they've got so, so many options in yeah, that yeah. particular position that you, it's quite hard to call it but Webster has been primarily the left centre back so that might simply mean that it makes more sense to just have Roberts as that as that pressing option yeah. going forward um, yeah and then I suppose from there you're then going to say well if Roberts is one of the midfielders who you're not going to drop Phillips so you're going where do you put Dallas you're almost forcing yourself to play Dallas as a left back. Mm. I mean, I hadn't really thought of how it would also impact the other positions, <laughs> <laughs> but it obviously does. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, and then and then Alioski pushes up. Well, I think I think most people would naturally kind of think let's play Phillips and Dallas as this two midfield options, and then you're going to fill everything around them. So you could just you could just play Roberts in front of them. Uh, as a, as a second striker, I guess, and then have Harrison on on one side and then Rafinha on the other. That that would work. Um, so yeah, maybe my maybe my question wasn't entirely correct because we're we're basically con- considering Roberts as a striker there rather than as a midfielder. It's it's difficult because the man marking like responsibilities don't always correspond to the actual uh, base out of possession formation, do they? It kind of varies depending on the phase of the play and stuff like that so especially when you start doing stuff like this where uh, where where you have a player stepping out of midfield to uh, you know push onto one of the center backs against Leicester as well we were playing against James Madison uh, who was coming central a lot um and so i think that's partly why we went to the the change that we went to in in playing Dallas as a as a left back who could then invert and then you've basically got Alioski as a as a left back covering that when that happens um so you've basically got the two left backs at, at the same time and I, I suppose that's what's lost by having Roberts as the second striker in that you're then basically using Harrison as a probably more of a glorified um left back in that regard so I think that's maybe something that that Bielsa will consider as well if you want two defensive minded players in that position is it worth wasting Harrison as as one of them it may be the case that that is entirely how Bielsa will think but um I I think it worked really well against Leicester um because precisely because we we did have that coverage. They were trying to create space in the left back area by moving Madison inside, but because we had Alioski playing as a, as a wing back, he sort of he sort of covered it um, quite well, and so they they didn't get anything from it. I think it was one of Alioski's best performances of the season as well. I think I think he's I think we've played, done that twice this season. I can't remember the other game that we did it in uh, a similar sort of thing where uh, Dallas and Alioski sort of swapped around, and I think both times Alioski did really well with that. I, I think maybe being forced essentially to play a little bit higher at the pitch quite suits him. I've always said that he would be a much better wing back than he is a, a full back. Just to that little bit of extra cover for him is yeah. sort of does well for him. So I think we've kind of come to the consensus it's going to be 4-4-2, it's going to be Malier, Alioski, um Pascal Strauch. Oh no, because is is Cooper available? No, I think he's got one more game. This is his last game. Okay. So it's definitely going to be Strauch and, and Urente and then uh, Ailing at right back and then probably Harrison, Dallas, Phillips, um and Rafinha if Rafinha is available. 
if not Rafinha, I guess that's a that's a question, but presumably Costa will come in on the right. Uh, and then and then Roberts and, and Bamford in front of him. Um, that seems to be the logical the logical structure. So with that in mind, Josh Hobbs, who do you think needs to play well in particular if Leeds are to get a result at Brighton? If Rafinha isn't playing, we need something. We need something a bit more from Costa in in possession. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know whether this would be a, certainly in the first game there wasn't space. Um, but and we know that he he works best in space. Um, so I, w- I wonder whether this could, might be a good game um, for Perveda off the bench uh, because I think he's good at taking the ball in a wide position when when the opposition defence is a bit more set and then sort of carrying it directly at players and trying to beat them like that. I don't think we often see that uh, from, from Costa. So I, I have a little bit of a hunch that if we don't have Rafinha that um, we might need a a bit of a super sub performance uh, from him perhaps i hope that's not <laughs> that's not right and uh, and if um, if costa starts that he can have an effect on on the game but i, I kind of feel like this won't particularly suit him uh, and it, if it is um that shape that we talked about and, and if we if we go with harrison as the presser uh, that sort of pressing striker would need a lot from him um, if it's Roberts, then we need a lot. Of, it's just a very important role, I think, in this, particularly at the moment where my feeling is that Bamford hasn't fully recovered from that injury that he had. He just seems to be dropping a little bit rather than pressing as aggressively as he was before. So I think that role is really a vital role. Tom or Ted, would you add anyone to that? No, I, w- I was going to say as well, yeah, whoever's pressing that back three, I think whenever we play against a back three, we either are able to stop them uh, from... Well, we're, we're able to make them playing a back three a negative thing if, if we'd get our pressing right, because uh, you're essentially wasting a player if, 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 you, if you're able to press properly. Or it can be a huge problem because one of the centre-backs just isn't marked at all and they, and they can run through our entire defence. So whoever's playing that role, whether it is Costa or Harrison, I definitely agree with Josh, is very important. Not Costa or Harrison, Roberts or Harrison. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting how aggressively we press high up because that's just quickly dropped off recently. Uh, we tried it a bit against Manchester United, but it, it has very—I think it has very much become the case when you're playing against a back four that they just split their centre backs really far apart uh, and then have someone help on helping move from one centre back to the other and then drive into space. I think maybe potentially the uh, playing against a back three will mitigate that somewhat. Um, because, like you say, the, they we do have two players in the press, so you do you do naturally sort of stop that from happening quite so much because there isn't quite so much space for the for the two centre backs that Bamford is marking to 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 really split in the same way. So it it could work out for the for the better as well. Um, and yeah, I guess from here, Tom, how do you see the game panning out? I think we've got a decent chance. I would I would hope that we will be pressing aggressively from the start and that we'll dominate the ball and. I d- Brighton don't strike me as a team who are particularly dangerous on the break without Lamptey in the team. Uh, I could be wrong about that. Josh has watched them way more than me. But um, I would hope that we would dominate the ball fairly high up the pitch and uh, stop Brighton from building their own attacks. Yeah, I think I agree that we should have most of the ball. Um, they're a good possession team. But I think they were quite happy for us to have quite a lot of the ball um, last time and I I don't see that changing. Um so I think the the key question is whether our um our attacking uh, rotations and things like that are are sort of working uh, this time uh, and whether and or whether we're able to sort of conjure some uh, individual brilliance there. I think um if Rafinha's in then I, my confidence level in, increases a lot but I I have a I have a little inkling that we we might lose this one. Uh, I was just going through our our fixtures for the rest of the season, and I I felt like we might maybe win another three, lose one, draw one, and I I, I feel like this might might be the loss. Maybe I'm just I've just got the fear because of how how it went. Last John time. never asked for predictions, Josh. I know he doesn't ask for <laughs> predictions, and I've just put it out there myself. But um, I hope I'm wrong. Of course, I hope of course, but. They just, um, I think that was the game where we struggled the most 
in in that first sort of half of the season in terms of building up and and playing through midfield and um i i think bielsa's been good at um adapting to when we've played teams a second time on the whole so um he he might he might have found the answer um so so we'll see but i just got a little nervy one about about uh saturday I'm looking forward to it being, I think, a bit more tactically interesting than some of the more recent games have been. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to maybe having something to talk about in terms of the tactics after this one, which I think will be the case if we do possess the ball a bit more. It'll be fun seeing the way that we build up and uh, and seeing how the game unfolds in that sense. But I think that just about wraps it up for our preview of the Brighton game. That's at 3pm on Saturday. Uh, we'll be back on, I guess, Sunday with a, with a review of that one. Um, if you like what we do and want to get more of it, then check out our patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash all stats aren't we i've let things slip a little bit on the video analysis recently but i'm definitely going to be back with a with a brighton video on uh, probably monday so uh, look out for that and uh, yeah as always if uh, i say as always but we never do this but if you do like our podcast and um you want to help us out then do give us a, a subscribe or a like or a Review. Review is the word I'm looking for uh, on whatever platform it is that you listen to us on. Um, for now, all there is for me to do is to say thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. It's been good having you back. Thanks, mate. Sorry I gave a, a prediction and I'm even more sorry that I said we'd lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're never being invited back on, but I'm sure you won't be on for months now anyway. No, wait, wait for me to get panned in the uh, comments and stuff. Yeah. I can't believe you said we'd lose. <laughs> I hope we don't. I hope we don't. Yeah, you better had. <laughs> right. Yeah. Thanks very much. And we will see you soon. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 